on today's episode, I'm going to teach you how to wrap bacon around everything, but not to get you fat, to get you fat profits in your business. Because today we were joined by my dear friend, one of my best friends, Brad Costanza, who runs Bacon Wrap Business. And I had so many takeaways from the episode. I have a sticky note with 12 things I have to choose from to tell you. We talk about delegation and leadership, consumption to generate at massive momentum for you as an entrepreneur. We talk about intentional and accidental consumption. But I have to say, the biggest thing is he changed one word, one word in a phrase that I guarantee you, that I guarantee you will increase your business. It will increase your scale, your sales, your customer retention, your team meetings. And he shares the breakdown that Disney and many other companies use, like these billion dollar companies to make sure that every single idea that you have it's only chance of success. No more failed ideas, no more quick starts, no more failed parking lots, things that you invested time, money, energy in. And we break down the entire process so you have it. So I'm going to shut up so we can get into the episode. I love you all. I will see you inside the episode. Have a good laugh to celebrate our 100th episode. Cue the intro. Welcome to the Mind of George show. This is a free-for-all Friday episode where just about anything can happen. I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com, and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. And welcome. I'm stoked because today is the 100th episode. It's episode 99, but I dropped an episode 000. So it is the 100th episode. And I am here with the guy that wraps everything in business and bacon and bacon. He wraps everything in bacon in his business including me, his friendships, his wife, and everything in between. But we have my friend Brad Costanza here, who I've actually known of, ooh, maybe like nine years because he's known my wife longer than I've known my wife. And uh, so I've been being told about him since I was the bacon master on Civilized Caveman. But he is like one of my dear friends. We talk often daily and live in the world of business and marketing and mindset and growth and all the things, as you guys say, when it comes to business and helping companies build or scale their business. He's a renaissance man when it comes to this. He's been involved in absolutely everything. He has a podcast, been behind some of the biggest information marketing companies, been behind billionaires and everything alike, and literally just has an unlimited toolbox of tools to grab when he needs it. Consistently blows my mind. It is about a thousand times better than me at documenting things, which makes him a lot more effective because I just pull it out of my butt. It sticks to the wall. He documents it, uses it again. And I'm like, can you please send me a copy? So today I have my friend Brad Costanza. Brad, good to be here, man. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes I pull it out of my butt too. You just can't. That's where I document it. Yeah. But at least when you, when you pull it out of your butt, I feel like you pull it out and then you document it before you send it. So it looks way, way more put together than I'm just like, I'll record another video for you. Hold on. I'll text that to you later. I'll send you an audio message. And I was like, man, I really got to get efficient with this. There's a degree of truth to that. By the way, I was very, I was very impressed. You said, I'm stoked to be here. You didn't say I'm super excited, which I think is the which is the most overused uh, video or podcast intro of anybody. I'm Hey guys, I'm super excited to be here with you. And I was very excited that you said stoked. I think I did that because I, 
I heard myself the other day say super excited again. Yeah. And I listen and consume so much, and I've been on so many interviews and interviewed. They're always like, and we're super excited to have George. And I was like, I got to do something different. And I think I think last podcast I did, I was super califragilistically expialidocious excited, <laughs> but I wasn't there today. My Marshall Mathers skills are not there on the first interview of the day, but they're going to get there. So I, I am like stoked. So everybody listening, um, I, when, when I say this, Brad and I literally – text probably 40 times a day back and forth like we talk about everything every business every idea every company we see doing it right every hack and everything and so I wanted to bring him on because he's a dear friend and when I think about this we have conversations that I think most entrepreneurs need to have and we think about business like most businesses need to be think about and I'm always leaning in on Brad for his ideas and his feedback his creative coffee some copy some of his ideas which by the way was stiletto coffee and so we'll hear about all that stuff and so brad i do have to kick it off with the same question i ask everybody and then we can take the rails off of everything but i would love your insight on this one you've been in this game for a very very long time and so when Mm -hmm. you look back at this illustrious career of yours what would you say was like one of the biggest lessons or the biggest mistakes that you made or you experienced and what have you taken from that moving forward that you utilize from this point on Huh, nice, nice way to warm your guest up to a nice with a nice shallow, easy question. Yeah. <laughs> I told you the rails are off, and you can buy time with that one. Yeah, um, biggest lesson, you know, or well, biggest lesson and biggest mistake are usually pretty related, but not always. Um, you know, I think if I was to say my biggest lesson and mistake is something I've been thinking about more recently and been more cognizant of it is, um, you know, when I first got into the world of digital marketing, it was a result of, uh, I had read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And there was a million things in that book, which, you know, takeaways, uh, one of them, uh, you know, was the idea of outsourcing and, and, uh, delegation. And it was one of those things that I was like, this is amazing. I'm totally going to do this. And I didn't. And I ended up just learning everything myself. It became I became very proficient at uh, technology, at doing a little bit of everything and becoming a real jack of all trades in a lot of areas. But I do know that it really held me back. And it was a um, it, it it's it's helped me in some areas because I could I didn't have to rely on somebody else to just do it. I could learn it quickly, figure it out, just burn the midnight oil and get it done. But then I, when I look back at things, I'm like I could have just easily paid somebody to do that um, for me. And I'll never forget, for instance, when I was talking to a good buddy of mine named Nate, who was in the, uh, he was in the business and he and his business partner were doing like, I don't know, five or $6 million a year. And they'd been doing this for several years. And he called me up and he goes, Hey, I got a question. Is, is uh, a Weber, a shopping cart or an autoresponder? And I go, you gotta be shitting me, dude! You, I just flew on this guy's <laughs> private jet, right? Or it was a it was a chartered private jet. And I'm like, you don't know the difference. And and here I was going like, I, I was doing okay, but I wasn't doing. This, this is a long time ago, and I'm like, that was a real moment of holy crap. Because yeah, no, my team doesn't let me. I don't have the login for our uh, for our AWeber system, so I don't know what it is. I just know that it's a way we communicate with our list or something. So I'll never forget them. I remember where I was when I heard that thing. And you know what? You would think I would have learned the lesson right then and there, but I didn't. And I continued. And I still do to this day doing stuff myself, rolling up my sleeves and figuring it out. And it is one of my biggest 
mistakes. It's a lesson I have to keep on learning and uh, relearning and relearning, but it's become much more cognizant now. I think it's become more cognizant now because I just finished uh, Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan's book, <laughs> Do Not How. So, but it was one of those things that really shined the light on, it was like, I keep on getting bitch slapped across the face with a lesson that I know. And I've done this to some degree, but just nowhere near as much as I need to. And I think that's really become my my theme this year more than anything is I continue to have like delegation is the number one delegation and leadership are the two number one skill sets that I believe that are underdeveloped for myself. Yeah. And I'm trying to develop more. Yeah, I think that's actually some actually I think it's funny because you and I probably feed each other with this one because we both do it. We're like, oh, we got to figure it out. Let's go figure it out. And then we'll know what to do. And then we're like, oh, we got to delegate it. But by that point, we're so endowed of like, we can do it faster. We can do it more effectively. Oh, and like, we talk about this. Like the amount of ideas I've run by you and you're like, why don't you just have somebody do it? Or then you're like, what about this? I'm like, oh, just, you know, outsource that one. But I think it's a really important topic. So I, I well, love- I'm a quick start. I'm a quick start and I'm yeah. very impatient and you know, a real quick example. There was a Shopify thing. They're like, okay, well, we need this app installed correctly. And I'm not a coder or whatnot, but they're like, yeah, that'll take three to five business days. And I'm sitting here going, I can't like the, the burn of me going like, I cannot wait three to five business days for you to like install something. Like are the instructions there? Just give them to me. And I was looking at them. I'm like, I can do this by God. I can do. And I, and I appealed myself away and I go, Nope, I'm just going to wait. And that honestly, that was painful to wait. Well, that's happened. That's happened to me a ton too. I mean, that was probably my biggest downfall in caveman was the fact that I didn't have like this business influence of people. I had this, I have to survive and figure this out on my own. And it took maybe five years of me running that business four years before I even met any other people in the business or new internet marketing lived outside of what I was doing. And Mm -hmm. so the amount of times I brought my website down, the amount of times I broke stuff, the amount of times I made mistakes that took like 18 weeks to figure out that like, oh, I haven't had an email sign up in 18 weeks because the form's been broken and 300 people a day were trying. Like yeah. it had real world implications, you know, and that's that's something that, you know, it's funny is your friend that happened. We just finished, <laughs> you saw the webinar, but we just finished a launch and you and I are the same because I'm a quick start too. And patience is that one thread. And I think it's the thread that's weaved between you know, delegation, but leadership, because that, that whole thing is really understanding the big picture and playing the game. But I remember they were sending me some stuff and I was like, Oh, I don't like it. And I went to go change it. And I don't have logins and passwords anymore. And I only have a team of, I have a team of three and they're amazing, but they're like, Nope, Nope, Nope. And so I have to funnel everything to Slack. And it was, but then once I got over that hump of like, Oh, I can't like, I can't get into it. I can't fix it. I felt a thousand times better on the other side, like literally being like, oh, it's out of my hands. And so I'm like, I'm going to go work out for an hour. And then I came back and it was fixed. And somehow, you know, it magically happened. Um, But when you when you think about that, like, how do you define the line? Like, because this is what I'll say about you, Brad. Again, like what I love about you is you and I can dive down any rabbit hole and have deep levels of understanding and knowledge from an awareness perspective. And what I love about that for me, like I use it as a gift and you have the same one, is we can look at a challenge or a problem and then we can see it, but we can also pull ourselves up and see all the other things that are affecting that mm-hmm. challenge by having that understanding. And so one of the things I struggle with is where do I put my focus on getting that level of understanding and where do I put it of like, oh, I just really need to keep that outsourced all the way. 
because I've lived in this. I need to understand it so I can outsource it or utilize it yeah. or show up better. But like, how do you navigate that? Um, very by the seat of my pants, same thing. <laughs> like I need to know, I think it's very important for a lot of things to know what the definition of done looks like of what you want done. Cause it's, it's, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish and what it should look like um, on the tail end, it's really hard to delegate it out because you won't even know if they've done a good job. Right. So yeah. now there's some things like if it's, if it has to do with code or whatnot, like, you know, it's like, look, I just need this, this site to do this thing or whatnot. Um, and um, I may say it should look like this, right? I don't know. There, it's a, it's, it's delicate, and there's some stuff. Yeah. I'm like, no, I just got to do it. And there's, there's still a, a part of perfectionism in me that I fight, um, and there's a, one part of me that's like, I don't know how I want this, what done looks like to me until I've finished it, right? So there's, for instance, there is a campaign that I'm putting together for one of my businesses where um, it's copy driven. It's you know, there's a land, there's a certain style of landing page and copy and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I need, I need to almost go through it and do it myself, even if it's not perfect, just to see it because it comes to live or life while I'm doing it. And once I have it, then I've got at least a model and I can now hand it off and tell somebody else to go create something similar. Unfortunately for me, I do that. And then I'm always woefully uh, critical and like, oh, it's not what I wanted. It's not exactly what I wanted. So I have to kind of be okay with 80% of uh, of how I would do it. That's another Dan Sullivan uh, thing. I think he's got a he's he's got another book called The 80% Approach, which I really liked, which had to do – it really helps you get over uh, perfectionism. And it's like get it 80% done, like 80% done, and then pass it off, move on, do something else. You can always come back to it and get it up to 90%, but that 90 to 100 is the where perfectionism lives, and that's not really where most of the money is. Yeah. Um, so – I'm I'm trying to get better at 80% is good enough. Yeah. I think Yeah, and I think I think too 80% is where results live for our customers too. Cuz I feel like what happens for me, I, I mean you and I've had this. We've worked with <laughs> we we've had some shared client experiences lately that we laugh about, right? But um you know, I find that like that 80% is typically feels like 120% for the client. It yeah. only feels like 80% on the back end, right? And yeah. so, but I have that thing as well. And I felt wrong. This is extremely validating. It's funny. We haven't talked about this like over our coffee or beach hangouts or long strolls on the beach. And by the way, for everybody listening, Brad and I really do go on long walks on the beach together. We it, do. It is a fact. And a deal, if you're listening, I, I will have to do a three-way walk one of these times <laughs> when we're visiting again. Um but it is extremely valid because, Brad, what will happen to me is like I'll have this idea, right? Like somebody will come to me with a challenge or a problem or be like, how should we sell this? What should this look like? What should the hook be? And my brain is thinking about all these possible solutions and they want an answer. But I literally am like I kind of need some time to like get my hands in it and build it. Yeah. Like I know in theory what it what it should feel like and look like and I don't. I don't know if it's not a skill set or maybe it's a part of my process. I need to take that and then literally go put my hands to work per se to then help clear up the picture of like what I could tell them to do or Same. like what I could guide my team. Hundo. And I don't, I've never met anybody else like that. Cause I've met that you need to delegate it or you need to outsource it. And I was like, but I think for me, 
the art of building it is actually where I get the clarity on Same. what it should look like. Same. And so for me, I've been looking at that of like, when I do that, like understanding like, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I, like right now my team and I are building this new content dissemination strategy, right? Like that's really effective and really done. And they're like, and I can spit where they're like, what should it look like? They're asking me all these questions. I'm giving them answers. Like I'm still confused. I'm like, cause I haven't built it yet. I was like, just yeah. give me a day. And I sat down on my iPad and I was like, okay, this and this and this and this. And I sent it to them and they're like, okay, I'm like, yeah, go build that. Right. But I, I think what I'm doing now is like giving myself the container that like I can build to create clarity, but not a result. That's kind of like where yeah. my razor's edge is. Like I mm -hmm. ride the unicycle down the middle. And so it's just really validating hearing hearing this because I look at you and what I love about you is like I would think of you like if I was to reference you to somebody else, like somebody asked me about you the other day. Uh, I think it was Alex. Alex asked me and he's like, so how would you describe Brad? I'm talking to Alex after this call, by the way. Oh, perfect. Well, you can tell him I said, hi, hi, Alex. I know you listened to this. Love you, brother. Um, but I was talking, Alex, like, how would you describe him? And I like paused for a minute and like I had to go into my arsenal and I was like, well, Brad is like me, but not like me. He's a renaissance man that gets big picture all the way down to the details required to make it happen. And he's a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. Like you're one of the only people I know. <laughs> In, they call me Bradipedia. For yeah, me. like Bradipedia. Like seriously, though. like for those of you that are listening, like I hope you get to share coffee with Brad one day or Brad and I or come to an event that he's at and speaking out with me um, because you're the only person I know that like will be sitting there. We'll have like a four minute conversation and not only do you converse, but you converse with reference material off the top of your brain and then you follow up with it by like sending a book. Like we'll leave and an hour later, Brad's like, oh, remember we talked about this from Dan Sullivan's book at 80%. Here's my notes in Evernote on this. And by the way, like you should take this and apply this into your business, right? So I've already made two book recommendations. Yeah, I know we're, <laughs> we're only 16 minutes in and there's two. And I, I just started Who Not How. So I'm actually really excited about that one because I love Ben's work. I'll send you my notes in Rome. Yeah, send me your notes in Rome. And so the reason I'm asking that too is because when, when I look at you, you have this – I don't want to call Jekyll and Hyde, but we have these two containers that you and I live in, right? Container one is like we create. We go create ideas, solutions, solve problems, do client work. But then the other side is we have this kind of consume where we, you know, get in knowledge and, you know, expand our research and deepen our reference material, right? So when you look at your day, and this is something I've not talked about on the podcast a lot, but something that I've been really leaning into when you look at your life, like if you were to percentage it out of like consumption versus creation, like where do you put that? And then why do you, you know, consume like you do and take the notes that you do? Because like you've inspired me massively. Like I'm using Rome research. It started with workflowy. Like I now read an article. I make a note about the article to put it into my, you know, PKM and things like that. But I would kind of love to hear your thoughts and your process on this because it really makes you extremely valuable. And it's almost like you're just at the center hub of either you have the answer in your brain or you have this catalog to go into. And for me, the reason I'm asking is because one of the struggles I have as an entrepreneur is the FOMO of like, I read mm -hmm. something and I'm going to forget it. I thought about something and I'm going to want to implement it. And it like stays open in my brain unless I get it down and I'm using your PKM system, but I think you're one of the best in the world that I've ever seen at this. So I would kind of love your thoughts as how you balance that and how you do that. Yeah. So well, one of the first questions I think you asked is the, um, how I balance like consumption mm -hmm. versus 
production er, and creation. I, I consume way more than I create to my much to my chagrin. Um, I need to do, I love creating and I like to do more, much more so, but I'm just more, it's, it's more natural to just jump into consumption mode because I can learn, I can learn and digest things quickly. And I'm really good at, like, I've got that down. Like I've got that cadence down. I can, um, and I'll explain that in a second, but, but, um, I, I need to do more creation because I, you know, if you just consume for the act of consumption and, you know, hold it back without putting it back out there enough, you're not really adding value to the world. You're just like almost like miserly collecting money, but never spending it or investing it. Right. So um, that is one of the things that I've I, I've tried to do more so of is creation. But, um, yeah, I mean, what I do it, when it comes to seeking out information I want to learn, I get, you know, I guess there's and I'll give an example here. Uh, there are certain things I will do to go say, okay, I need to know something about X. I'm going to go search it out. And, uh, and then there's the other one, which is I just stumble across information. Maybe I'm a, maybe I subscribe to a newsletter or two or go to, a, or a, a blog that I go to once in a while and I find something and I just go kind of deep down that rabbit hole and I click the links and I follow the trails and I just see where it takes me. Or I stumble across a book that, kind of piques me my interest and I I get into the book and then that book will maybe either bring up other ideas or articles or things like that and I'll kind of follow that rabbit trail. I'll just follow my curiosity, which I have intense intellectual curiosity of. And um with that, I mean I don't know, it's it's random. I'll stumble across something and I love that by the way, as I love stumbling across something that I'm like, oh my God, holy crap, my mind just blew. This is totally new. That's that that idea of discovering something like hidden treasure, whether it's an article or a video or something like that is, um, is one of my favorite things. And I try to bake that into my marketing, uh, which remind me, I'm, I'm going to make a note to circle back. Cause I think it's a really powerful marketing strategy is the concept of discovery. Yep. So I'm just gonna make a note to come back. That's why it's one of the steps in the customer journey. I teach. Sorry. Yep. So the, um, the other side is when I want to, when I, when I specifically want to learn something about something else. So for instance, this is a, this is a, this is a trick. I, I don't tell a lot of people because it makes me look like I'm magic, but uh, like, God, that's so smart. Where did you come up with that? So if I'm working with a client, for instance, and they are, um, well, actually I'll do this you know, we mentioned a uh, stiletto coffee. I had a coffee business. Yeah, uh, it was a failed coffee business, but notwithstanding, uh, it but failed the asset for- the assets weren't a failure because I love right. I love watching all the stuff you created. It was cool. The economics just weren't working out, and the opportunity cost was hard. But when I started off doing this, I didn't know anything about it. And the very first thing I did was I typed in like coffee, um, coffee brand in Google, like plus marketing case study. Any product niche or whatever you're doing, type that in and then add a modifier plus marketing case study. You would be blown away by the kind of information you can find because there's everybody from universities to big brands to whatnot doing case studies on the you know, what a, a brand did or a company did to go from zero to hero. It's a zero to hero story, rags to riches, especially with companies is, is one of the types of stories that people love telling and people love reading about. And they're out there. Um, I've got a friend of mine who has a sex toy business 
And he was asking me for some ideas the other day about, man, how do I market sex toys effectively? I just don't know. And I was like, let me think about that and I'll get back to you some ideas. I literally went to the web and I just typed in like sex toy plus marketing case study and I found a bunch of them and I sent him an article with a bunch of ideas. He's like, man, this is brilliant. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you know these things? And we're like, well, uh, Google. Google University. Yeah, Google University. So that's an idea or uh, that's an example of having a very specific uh, thing in mind to go, okay, yeah. what do I need to know? Has somebody else done this? Who else, like, you know, great reference back to the, the book, Who Not How. Who else has already done this work for me that I don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel? Yep. And I love marketing case studies because they actually lay out exactly what you need to know. This is how they got their first customers. This is how they got traffic. This is how they scaled. These are the problems they ran into. Um, so that is a fun secret weapon that all your listeners and viewers should just do. Take your business and take the industry or the product type or whatever it is and then type in mark plus marketing case study. Yeah. The other things I do when I'm when I'm trying to um, remember information or things that I learn, I I just try to do what I think Tiago Forte call who's a thought leader in the space of personal knowledge management calls uh, progressive summarization. I try to look for something. Uh, I highlight, I use a tool to highlight and uh, like a web page, for instance, what it's like you're highlighting in a Kindle book. And I'm, I'm looking for the things that I might want to reference back to later on, because those are the things that are going to give you the context for what your reading is about. And then I will um, copy those. Like I might read an article and just have three or four highlights. That's fine. I may have 50. Uh, and then I'm going to copy those over into, you know, a tool. You can use Evernote. I'm using Rome, R-O-A-M research. What do, you, what, do you, what do you use to highlight on the browser? Oh, there is, if you're using Rome, actually, you don't even need Rome for this, but it's awesome. Um, it's called Rome, R-O-A-M highlighter. It's a Chrome or Brave plugin. It's free. And it allows you to, um, it allows you to copy something. Yep. And, uh, and that's like every time I highlight, I'm just highlighting things and the highlight stays. And then you click a button at the bottom of it that says copy all highlights. And then when you paste it into whatever note taker you're using, it pulls in the title of the and article, the, the URL, and then bullet points on it. So it's just like highlight, 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 copy, and then paste where I want it. And then what I'll do is I'll go through those, those highlights and I'll look for, like this is the progressive summarization. I'll look for the biggest ideas because I don't care if you're reading a book, an article or whatever, no matter how good it is, I don't even think we retain 20% unless it's a very short article. Yep. Uh, those books, if you if you walk away with 5% of the big ideas, congratulations. Um, the uh, But then, so what I'll try to do is get what are the few biggest, biggest ideas from that. And for instance, uh, using the example of that book, uh, Who Not How, so I highlighted the hell out of it through Kindle. I exported those highlights into Rome, which is, also easy to do, um, but that's not what we're going to talk about now. Google that shit. Um, and then what I did is I went through and I looked for, of those passages in there, I looked for the most poignant ones and I highlighted them again or I bolded them or I pulled them out. And I'm like, all right, if I just remember these three things, if nothing else out of this entire thing, this is what I want to focus on. And it's though the, the process of doing that integrates it deeper in your mind. Even though I'm looking, only looking for a few things, it reminds me, I never thought about this until right now, it reminds me back when I was in high, uh, grade school and high school, I was a, 
I would have been a cheater. I had full intent to cheat my ass off. But the act of trying to cheat made me learn it. For instance, I would create these really small writing little crib note cheats, like cheat sheets that I could put like in my pants leg or something. So that I was going to go into class, I'd have all the answers. And I, I went into many classes with the, that cheat sheet stuck in my uh, shirt pocket or something like that. And I never had to pull it out because the process of building the cheat sheet caused me to learn it. <laughs> so it's like, damn it, I was I, I wanted to cheat. I was like, I didn't yeah, have to. I love my intent was cheating. Okay, so I I love this. I opened three loops in the question. They've all been closed, but I think one thing, um, t- two sides of this, and I think this is really important, especially going like to the opening of this, where like you talk about like your two threads that you're working on being delegation and leadership development, right? Yeah. I think this ties into it perfectly when you think about consumption. You talked about intentional consumption or accidental consumption. But I think what is so powerful about both of them is that they both have a really tight container on them, right? If it's intentional, it's a, I'm going to find something. So you go, you find it, then you're complete and you implement it or you note take it. But then when it's accidental, you don't find it, get the dopamine hit of it. You find it and then you summarize it and you put it into something so that you can integrate it. You use your, and for those of when we say PKM, it's personal knowledge management. It's just basically how you take notes or how you access your own information or things like that. I, Brad's way more versed in it than I am. He just teaches me what to do and I follow what he says. Um, but then the, the accidental side is like, okay, if I'm going to consume this, right, I come across this article, making sure I don't just read it, but I read it and then I take contextually or something that resonates with me so I can remember it and apply it to my business, then you file that away somewhere in like a note system or an Evernote or something along those lines for reference. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah I, exactly. And then the goal, which is what I, I particularly love about Rome, but um, the goal is not to have to file it away in something like, okay, I, I need to remember that this goes in this file folder or category or whatever. The goal is to either use certain keywords or context when you're taking notes. And it doesn't even have to be much. Like if I'm if I read an article about copywriting uh, and I save it over here, all I have to do is put the word copywriting or sometimes a hashtag copywriting on the notes because then I can go back to my notes. It's like, man, I remember what was that thing about copywriting? I just type in copywriting or I click on the hashtag and it'll pull it up and I can kind of scan. I go, oh, that's where it is. Yep. So I always just think of, I, I don't, I'm, I'm very unorganized when it comes to taking notes, when it comes like to yep. categorize them and ca- things like that. But, um, but because I'm so methodical about like keeping the right notes and making sure that there's context behind it, when I need to go find it, it's easy to find. I just type in the keyword or two that I'm looking for. Um, and, you know, the the loop I didn't close and I wrote down here is discovery. Yeah. So I love that. It, it's, it is one of the things that humans love the most, like. We absolutely love it. We love going on treasure hunts. We love, um, you know, just going to explore. It's something built into our DNA. It's why we are explorers, why we explored the West when the settlers came here, et cetera. We love discovering new things because there's that dopamine hit. I guess it's a dopamine hit of novelty. Yeah. Like, wow, this is so cool. Um, A lot of times we don't bake that into our marketing and our business um, in letting our, instead of shoving our product down our customers' throats, I was like, check out what this is. Like I'm just sticking it in front of your face. I've found that some of the best marketing, I'm trying to think of some uh, really good examples, is when you discover something and it almost feels as like you're, uh, 
discovery, almost like uh, a lot of people love discovering a new band, like an unheard of band that then catches fire. Yeah. And if, if I listen to a, a, a DJ or a band, I'm like, this is fire. This is amazing. I want to tell other people about it because I, I don't believe that everybody knows about this yet because I, if I discovered it, it means it was, it wasn't in front of my face the whole time. And we love sharing discoveries with our friends. That's why things go viral. It's it, there's a lot of that. So it's, I'm, I'm always trying to find a good, I don't even have a framework for this, but how can I let my, my uh, customers discover what I'm trying to sell them as opposed to force feed it. Now, sometimes that could be maybe an article that you're writing. Uh, maybe this is like top of funnel um, material that you're writing about something else. And you, you may just briefly mention your product where the, your product is not the centralized focus of, of what you're writing, but you're allowing them to go, wait, wait, what's that? Yeah. Like almost, I actually think you can almost hide something just enough. It's almost like an Easter egg popping out that I, I, I see the color, but it's, I only see part of it. People will pick up on that. We're trained to pick up on it. It's like, well, let, let me, re, let me click on that and go check it out. Especially because if I'm not trying to force feed it down your throat, um, it, it doesn't smell like an ad. Yeah. And actually, this is one of the things that I'm working on right now with a model, right? Like there's a, a landing page template, like a native ad article. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. That I'm sure do. Out. And this one, the way I've built it, the way they've done it and the way I've built it uh, to model that is uh you know it's a top of the funnel article about a certain thing it's not about the product and then when they get to the product you know when they get through the article it hammers home this is the product you need go get it it's very direct i want to test out a version that just kind of mentions it uh you know this product in a couple places but doesn't hammer it home and see which one of them leads like how many of them catch it and follow that rabbit trail? Like, oh wow, that's that's interesting. Tell me more about this, and it'll be a it'll be a interesting marketing test that I'm working on. Yeah, well, I think it's so important about that. Like, I actually want to pull this thread with you because we can talk about this all day. This is you know fun stuff. So when we think about like marketing, right? So one book recommendation based on what you said, discovery. Um, for everybody listening, I, I recommend Jonah Berger, like there's no tomorrow. Brad jumps on this one too, but the book Contagious talks about why things catch on and why things go viral. And the reason we share discoveries, because Brad and I probably text each other two to three new discoveries a day, like no joke. We were like brainstorming, like how can we submit links to each other without him coming through our text? And we're playing with some stuff right now. Um, but, you know, I, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but there's only one of five reasons people share things they discover. Humor, credibility, social status, education, or controversy. That's it. Those are the only five, right? And so if you discover something and you're like, oh, my friends will think this is cool, well, there's social status. If you discover something and it's helpful, my friends will use this, you get credibility for helping them. If it's like this new way to do marketing, you get the education points, right? Of course, if it's controversial, you do it. But what you said, I think, is so powerful because I think, Brad, wh when we look at the state of marketing, you've been in this game just as long as I have, if not longer. What I tend to see is there's two camps. There's a camp of like direct response, like hard sell, 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 sell. And then there's this camp of like value-based, content-based, you know, longer journey. And everybody tends to swing to one of either sides instead of realizing that they both are required. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because when you think about like that article that you're writing, and so just for everybody, you know, wondering, like what we're talking about is like writing an article about benefits and then introducing a product, you know, passively or writing an article about the product and being like, just buy the product. They both belong in marketing, both of them. And they belong mm-hmm. at different parts of the customer journey. And so when we think about this, like I love thinking about like, oh yeah, like if I understand a customer journey that's not linear, it's not three days, right? It's not like step one, step two, step three, step four. It's a it's a matter of them discovering, you know, when they're going to invest in, when they're having that pain point, when it resonates with them. And they all are a part of the ecosystem, right? And so when you say, by the way, I would love to see this. I already know the answer to this test because it's going to be both. And I know the company as well. So you know, we think about that, you know, a lot of terms people use is like top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. But really, when you break that down, it's just like cold, warm, hot. That's yeah. that's really what Aware, it is. levels of awareness. Yeah, it's actually when you break it down even further, it's it's love, you know, the, the age old marketing formula, AIDA, attention, yeah. interest, interest, desire and action. Those are levels of awareness and desire, right? Like, it's, yeah, well, it's and the so level. And so the reason I say that it's both for everybody is because like I'll help people go on the content side, right? Where it's almost like an Easter, like hey, we're going to help you, we're going to help you, and then you discover the link you click through, right? That works really well, and it's amazing because it only gets the right customer at the right time to click through. Everybody else had a positive touch point, mm-hmm. but then you get to a point where there are some people that will get the touch points, and then they'll never click through, but they want the product, and then you have an article that they can see and read about, like no, no, this is why you need the product, like this is what it's going to do for you. And this is how it's going to help you know, like literally now is the time to go. And so I say this because I see these two camps and it's almost like it's either direct response, boom, 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 or it's like this value based. And I think everybody has to realize that they, they belong in the same world and yeah. it's the customer journey above it, you know, that does that. Yeah. And that's the real nuance and art to it. And you got to test it out and some stuff. I mean, it even depends. Like, you know, I, I'm going to run this test and it may not work. It doesn't mean it the concept doesn't work. It means the execution may not have worked. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but I've used it for years, is that marketing is nothing except guessing and testing. Guessing and testing. I'm going to guess if it's going to work. I don't know. I think it will. But how many times have we guessed something would work and it flops? Like like this is going to hit a home run and it's, you know, it's crickets. And- Actually, that gives me a good question. When you when you think about that, because that, that one, that's a good one. The amount of things that I've made seven figures on that I was like, this will never work. <laughs> yeah. Like there is no way this will work is like mind blowing. So like when you think back, like what was one of your like biggest surprises of like the guessing and testing where you're like, I can't believe this worked, like whip out the secrets. Like if it was painfully obvious or not painfully obvious, it was painful for you to share. Like you ask your guests to do. <laughs> um, trying to think if there was one of those where I'm like, how the hell did that work? Um, or the other side and both like one that you were like, I well, there's been, this okay, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one that I thought for sure would work and it flopped. Um, it took a lot of work. It actually burned me out of an entire niche and I sold the business. So, um, <laughs> so this is like, yeah, I don't know, shit, 10 years ago, maybe pushing 10 years ago, but I had a, I had a product long time ago in the dating advice niche and it was selling magic tricks to, to the whole guy, all the guys selling pickup artists. I was like, I'm going to show you how to use magic tricks to, uh, uh, you know, throw that in your flirty game. And, um, 
that was the very first thing I ever started off with selling information on uh, online and it was fun. But then I decided, okay, I'm going to create a product in the for just strict dating advice because I had this big list and I had all these affiliates. And um, at the time, there still is, you know, there's a million, uh, what do you call them? Virtual summits out there right now, right? Yeah. familiar with that. Yeah. And I, for those who are not, which is probably nobody who's not familiar with a virtual summit, it's let's say I'm going to do 25 different interviews with different people about topics on marketing or in this case, dating. Um, I've never liked them. I see no value in those things because I don't want to sit through 25 interviews. I, I mean, there's podcasts out there right now. I can download them on demand. I don't want to sit through this and then buy them, et cetera. And there was, I don't have time to spend 25 hours, right? So this is the problem I'm looking to solve. And now I said, but I have all these relationships and they have traffic and I want to do something that I think would be a better product and a better way to consume their advice, this expert guru level advice. And um, I never saw anything like this exist. So there's the problem. The solution was I'm going to interview 25 of the top dating experts uh, in the world, and I'm going to ask them each 25 questions. Okay. And all of these questions are broken down into categories such as like, uh, for example, what would be, you know, if you're a single guy, uh, it was all designed for guys. What, uh, what is your best uh, way to approach a woman, like let's say during the day outside of a bar. And then the second question is what would be your best advice to an approach a, a woman in a, in a bar nightclub environment. Right. Uh, another question would be like, what would be the, you know, how do you keep a conversation? How do you keep a conversation going after the um, initial opening? And what I did, these are 25 most commonly asked questions. And I was just like, I'm going to ask every single person a very regimented set of questions so that everybody, all 25 people answered all 25 questions. Now, in start, instead of uh, giving you the full interview, what I did is I painstakingly had an, an editor go through each one of them and break out all 25 little clips just of them answering the question. Right, just the question, and then we built this matrix on, in, on inside this membership area. And all you had to do was like, all right, here's 25 questions. Which question do you want to know the answer to right now? And I may want to go to the part which says, "What's the best way to get a girl's phone number?" or something like that. I don't know. I don't think that was the question. But you click on it, and then you see a grid of all 25 gurus, and a little play button on their face, and you just click it. And I can go around to hear the two minute answer to each each person's perspective on this little. Question, are you following me? You understand yeah. how this works? Uh, yeah, I was like, this has to work. It's so brilliant. And I couldn't sell it to save my life. Like I had everybody, um, I had everybody uh, on that list, all 25 of the top gurus, the biggest list, and they were all promoting the hell out of it. And I mean, I think it did like $70,000 in sales, which is nothing. I was expecting at least half a million dollars in sales from the size of the traffic I had. But it was this brilliant product. Like, this is great. I can just go to each one of them and push your button and say, I want the answer. What would you say to this? What would you say to this? And it was brilliant. It did 70,000 divided by two because there was all affiliate traffic. There was 35,000 divided by another two because I had a 50-50 partner in this thing. So I walked away with probably less than $20,000 after all this work. And I said, I'm selling this entire business. I'm getting out of this niche. I'm burned out. Screw this. I'm Screw you guys. I'm going him. Oh my goodness. So that was one where I thought this is a brilliant product. Granted, 
I still like the idea of the product. Uh, maybe my marketing chops were not up maybe uh, at to snuff at the time. Maybe I just didn't know how to sell it. Maybe I was so burnt out after having created this product before selling it that I didn't want to do it anymore, which is why I'm a big proponent these days of sell it first, create it after you validate it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a super long drawn out emotional story of me thinking this is going to be a great idea. And it flopped. Stiletto coffee was another one at a great brand had a great idea, great hook, great graphics and everything else. And I just ignored the unit economics of how I was going to make this work. And I put blinders on and it, and I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So best ideas be damned. It was, uh, you know, a failed venture. And for those of you wondering about coffee, I owned a coffee business as well. Um, I don't think there are effective unit economics in coffee companies. Uh, quite frankly, we figured it out, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to take back to something you said earlier, cause you opened a loop and I found a solution to the loop. Ooh, what's that? So the quote marketing is nothing but guessing and testing. Do you want to, do you want to know why it was set on your podcast? <laughs> well, but by me or somebody else? Nope. By Todd. Todd who? Todd Brown. Todd Brown said that. Todd Brown said that on your podcast. I, I went to the good old Google. I couldn't do it with just the, the quote. I had to put it in quotations and then you code up uh, as the first two results. Um, it's not easy. You have to get the guts to go on the roller coaster ride. I've heard many people say marketing is nothing but guessing and testing. So he said it on your podcast. Ah, good old Todd. Yep. Awesome. So when you, when you think about that, like I, I – so like my brain, when you were talking about like that dating on demand thing yeah. and that thing, I was like, that's a genius idea. But then my immediate brain went to, I've had a lot of experiences like that where I was like, this is it. This is what they want. This is what they want. And it never worked because I was reminded that that isn't what they wanted. That's what they said they wanted. Right. But a lot of people, like I said this to somebody before, I said, what's interesting is like, everyone's like, oh, I love this keynote. I love these Ted talks. I love this, whatever. And I was like, but there's three takeaways. Right. I could give you all three takeaways in 35 seconds, you know, to 90 seconds. I was like, but these keynotes take an hour, but they're just delivering three takeaways. It's literally hook, story, takeaway, story, takeaway, story, takeaway, you know, close. And I was like that that storytelling part and even like that looping back into the discovery part, I think is such a critical component because I think the ideas are always there. And what I have found most of the time is when I was like, this is the best solution. Like, this is the best product. This is the best implementation. This is the best everything. It's very logical because I'm like, here's the actual doing solution, but it's missing the feeling that they're looking yeah. for. And there's that disconnect in between them all. It, it happened to me numerous times. Yeah, and you know, it also goes to show that sometimes, like the very first product I ever built, I built a product that I would buy if it existed. I was like, I'm building the solution to my own problem. Mm -hmm. And on this one, I was doing the exact same thing. The first one worked, the second one didn't. Doesn't mean the second one couldn't have worked. It absolutely could have worked, but it didn't. Um, and it goes to show that, yes, sometimes building a product that solves your own problem um, is, a, is a great way to do it. And sometimes it's definitely not because not everybody wants that problem solved or not enough people want that problem solved. So you got to you know, you got to kind of figure that out and do a little bit more research up front, which um, 
you know, if you're a quick start, that's hard to do. I have to slow myself down and go through a three-step process that is been super critical for me that when I, when I skip it, I usually fail. When I don't skip it, I usually succeed. And I'll touch on that. I know you and I've talked about this, this Disney uh, dreamstorming process. I love we, this. When you, yeah, yeah. You shared this with me. I use this all the time now. It's so it was so important to my success that it was the very first podcast episode I did like six years ago, um, and I learned it over a decade ago uh, when I was studying NLP. And they were they were talking about this concept of how uh, Robert Diltz, who is a one of the pioneers of neuro linguistic programming, went back and studied the strategies of all these geniuses throughout history. And one of them was Walt Disney, and he found that what Walt did was um, he had separated out the, I guess the three internal, you could call them voices or states of mind whenever we are planning or, uh, a, a new project. And it could be a business, it can be anything. And um, this was into the dreamer, I'll use Robert Diltz's language, the dreamer, the realist, and the critic or the spoiler. Or this could be the dreamer, the, 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 do, the planner, and then the critic. And so what happens is that whenever we have an idea, and especially if you go, if you've, if you've ever had a great idea, maybe as a business idea, and you go to share it with your spouse or your uh, friend or co coworkers or colleagues or employees, you're like, oh, I got this great idea. Check this out. If you're like most people, the very first thing you're going to hear is why it won't work. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but here's why that won't work because of this and blah, 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 blah. And I think naturally we go into that thing. We, we hear, okay, there's your idea and we, we critique it because we're trying to actually protect you from screwing yourself up. But nobody likes that. We're like, we hear it, and then you just basically pooped on our party and like, ah, man, it's no fun. The thing is, we do it to ourselves, yep. and it's not just the critiquing. We'll have an idea like, um, for example, I want to create a coffee. I've got this idea for a coffee brand directed towards women, and it's going to be called Stiletto Coffee, and I can see the, the branding, and then I go, ah, but okay, so all I have to do is uh, – get some coffee roasters and design this stuff. And, oh, but you know what? Who's going to drink the coffee? And is it are people going to buy it? And this, that, and the other, right? Like, and we, we have this cacophony of sounds in our head of dreaming, planning, and critiquing all at the same time. And there are three totally separate voices and neither one of them wants to listen to each other. The dreamer doesn't want to listen to the planner. The, the, he sure as hell doesn't want to listen to the critic telling him why it won't work. So what happens is one of two things. Either we have what's called idea abortion, which is I got this great idea, but then that critic popped up, whether it's you critiquing me as a friend or a partner, or it's me critiquing myself. And we go, oh, that probably won't work for this reason or that. And I just abort the idea before it's fully baked out. Or we do what I did in Stiletto Coffee is I was so enamored with the dream and then the possible, and I could see the, the plan on how to get it done. I stifled, I shoved a sock in the critic's mouth mm -hmm. and I said, I don't want to hear your, uh, your, your, you know, your unit economics margin, <laughs> profit margin. Like what if people don't buy a subscription? How are you going to get people to enjoy the taste of a coffee they've never tried and buy it online? Blah, blah, blah. Like I just ignored it. And I said to myself, what a lot of entrepreneurs do uh, is I'll just figure it out as, you know, mm -hmm. I'll solve those problems as they come. Sometimes you can't solve those problems as they come. And it's not until you realize that, like, for instance, that critic has a very specific role and it's not to rain on the parade. It's to make sure that, um, that you, 
you overcome that you're actually cognizant of the hurdles and the challenges you're going to face. And you're like, all right, cool. These are what I'll face. Now here's the secret to this whole thing. Like understanding there's the, there's the mindset of the dreamer, there's the mindset of the planner, and there's the mindset of the, um, of the critic. The key to it is when you're, when you're in dreaming mode, don't plan and don't critique, just dream. See it playing out before you like it's on a movie screen, like it's happening. And here you're only asking, what if? Like, what if? What if we do this? What if we do this? What if we do this? Now, once you've got a kind of a decent little dream in mind and a vision, if you would, you're going to step into the next frame of mind or think of it as the next office where there's maybe storyboards up. And all you're going to do is plan out, okay, here's here's what, let's plan out how. Given what I know about this, how do how would I do this? And there's only two rules in the in the planning or the realist office, and that's um, don't add new shit to the dream and don't critique it, mm-hmm. right? And then finally, once you've got a, a general vision or a dream, and then you've got a general plan, now take it into this critic's uh, mindset. And this could be by yourself, this could be with your friends and partners or whatever. And you go, okay, let's poke holes. What are we missing? Like, why not? So it's like, what if? how and why not mm-hmm. right and now we go okay well it's it's going to cost x amount of money do we have that money it's going to take these resources there's an opportunity cost if you do this brad will you have time to do that which you also said is important mm-hmm. and you can guess the final rule when you're critiquing it don't solve those problems don't plan them don't add new dreams just critique and let them flow because what happens is when you give each one of these internal voices its own um, time on stage, if you would, or its own time with the conch shell, you know, Lord of the Flies reference, they get to they they get to be fully heard and go and validated and go, all right, here we go. Now you've got now you've got everything. The key then is if you know, to making it all work is ideally the dreamer and the planner mindset, whether it's you or your team. You go out and you you fix and you find a solution for every one of the critics' objections. Yep. And if you can't, maybe you don't do it. Maybe you're bored. But if you can and you take this thing back to the critic and the critic goes, yeah, I don't see anything wrong with this green light. Now you've got something that works. Uh, I didn't do this with Stiletto Coffee. Like I just put the blinders on and I was like, I'm going to ignore it. And it screwed me up. And these days I do this not only with myself, but every single one of my clients business partners, it's mandatory for them to know this, uh, this three-part strategy because, and even Shane, who, you know, know, my business partners is now, he'll be like, he'll be like, Hey, so I know you're in the dreamer's office. Can we step into the critic's office in a second? And I'm like, absolutely. Or he'll say, Hey, I'm just in the dreamer's office. Go with me on this. And what that tells me is that, Hey, we're just, we're thinking what if right now, don't jump into the, all the shit that could go wrong. We'll get there. Yeah. Right. And it's so productive, by the way, do it with your spouse, like teach Lindsay, this teach your wife, teach your, you know, husbands and boyfriends, this, because as entrepreneurs, which I think everybody listening to this is, if you communicate like this, you're giving them a frame of reference for how you're thinking like, Hey, I've got this wild idea. I'm in the dreamer's office. Just go with it. And maybe it's like, Hey, maybe we're going to move to a foreign country because our the president we want didn't get elected, right? Like, how would we, where would we go? Like, just imagine what would be amazing if we did. Like, would we go to Colombia? Would we go to France? Would we Costa go to Rica. Asia? 
Costa Rica, where would we go? And, and then you just dream together. And then the next thing you go is like, okay, well, how would we do that? Or, you know, actually I'll give you another little key thinking tool here, um, taken from the world of design thinking, which is one of the most powerful words that the top innovators use or phrases, which is called how might we, Yeah, it's way more powerful than how do we, because how might we adds a degree of, I don't know if it's possible, but how might it, how might we do it? Right. So for instance, you and I both have podcasts. They're not as popular as Joe Rogan's as is like no podcast is as popular as Joe Rogan's. And if you and I sat down and we go, Hey, all right, how do we create a podcast, the George and Brad show, or even your podcast or my podcast, how do we overtake Joe Rogan's podcast and popularity? It's like, fuck, I have no clue. <laughs> but if, if you and I brainstormed with this premise, how might we do it? Do you actually feel the shift in energy and creativity? Yeah, you go, how, okay, we probably couldn't, but if we could, how might we do that? And now you just play. It, it, it allows you to just come up with wackadoo yeah. ideas in one while that it works. So anyway, yeah, like how might, well, if we did move to Costa Rica, how might we do that? Well, could we, would we sell where we're living or would we just rent it out? I don't know. How long would we have to stay there? And you start doing that. Then you go into the well, well, why not? Well, Costa Rica's got mosquitoes and I don't like mosquitoes. Like, you know, I don't know. You come up yeah. with stuff like But anyway, I can, I can talk for days. I did my entire first episode on this, but it's real simple. Dream, plan, critique. Don't do, and only do them one at a time and make sure the person you're working with or living with knows what you're doing. Yes. And it will, it'll avoid a hell of a lot of conflict. Well, it, there's so much, so much in there. And like, I just want to summarize it. So first, like it goes all the way back to the opening of the episode where we talked about patience, right? Because if you have an idea and you think it has to be done today, it's not a good idea. Like that's firefighting doesn't create sustainable results. Right. And so what I love about this is that this gives you a container or a framework for taking what might feel like immediate or might feel like urgent and it gets you into this slowdown, right? It gets you into your parasympathetic state to really be like, okay, no, let me go through this. Let me see if we can do this. Let me make sure this isn't costing us opportunity or costing us time, right? And it allows you to fully bake it all. And the one mm-hmm. thing that I will say is I, I'm still working on this with my team, but I've been utilizing this. And the biggest thing for me is giving myself a gap between each office. So if I'm doing mm-hmm. it on my own and I'm brainstorming, so I, have important. To, I have to go dreamer and then be like, I have to go work out or take a couple calls or go walk and like schedule more time to come back and be a critic. So when I learned this, it was in a work, uh, it was actually a three day workshop teaching two or three day workshop teaching just this. That was all. It was the Disney strategies of G- leadership workshop, right? Uh, taught by uh, two women in Dallas, Texas. And um, what was brilliant about it is when they did it, they go, okay, we're going to use what's called an NLP spatial anchoring. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be in this part, like you're just going to stand here when you're dreaming. And we would go through this with a, a partner. All right. You, and you, You'd be standing up and the physiology was also important. So with standing up, I would kind of bounce on my toes and I get the energy moving and I look up and I imagine I'm watching a, it on a TV, like on a, on a movie screen. And when we were done about to move into the other move, uh, into the other frame of mind, we stepped out into what they call meta position, which is basically out. And we would say our phone number backwards in order to just, cause it just causes you to get out of that thinking and we go, okay, like, nine, four, three, two, one, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, I've kind of cleared the, uh, cleared that out, like defragged it. 
Yep. And now I'm going to step into the other one and then I'm going to defrag it, say my phone number backwards. So it's the exact same thing. You have to give your, your mind the ability to um, change it up when I'm doing it at the house. Like I will, uh, I'll go for a walk when I'm in my dreamer mode, yeah. I'll come back to my office and sit on my computer and I'll map it out when I'm in realist and I'll go sit in my, um, I've got a, a, a recliner over here and I'll go sit in the recliner where I usually read and think and I'll go there to critique. So yeah. I 100% change it up and need space in between. Yeah, those those state changes are, are massive for us. And and for entrepreneurs, what, what I have figured out, like one of my biggest keys to success is space, like just mm-hmm. space, right? But in that also, and Benjamin Hardy actually talks about this in his first book, which is designing your environment oh, yeah, using – using the principles of like NLP to get you into these states. And so, you know, if you're in an office, you can do this with your colleagues in different places. If you're working remotely, do it on different calls, like play with these things of state and being like, if your guys are going to do a dreamer meeting, like, you know, do some breath work and play a fun uplifting song that like gets you childlike and then schedule another meeting. Even if you take a 10 minute break in between them, or if you're doing it on your own, make sure that you're giving yourself that space to clear and get back to neutral and get back to neutral so you can embody this. And, and, and I was doing a podcast the other day, Brad, with Stephanos for a show we're going to launch, but I was talking about performance, right? Like, we as entrepreneurs are performers. We, we go into a meeting and we like give our best in that meeting about brainstorming, but then we go create an ad and we give our best to that ad. And we have to remember that space after you need it on both sides to get into, but also like kind of back into where you're being. And this is probably not the thinking part of this being a biggest breakthrough for me. But when you said to me, when we were talking about Shane and Shane, we love you um, when you listen to this. And if you guys haven't slapped your vitamins on your body yet, go to vitaminpatchclub.com. Because you should you slap go. it because it's a lot easier. And I actually take more vitamins. Slapping's now. better than swallowing. Yeah. I, and I was going to let you do it because it's my show. But God, you should hear the innuendos we throw around with this one. But but seriously, for everybody listening, um, as an entrepreneur, and, and I'm just going to say this because I think everybody needs to hear this. You have one race car and you cannot expect to win the Indy 500 or NASCAR 500 or whatever that thing is called when you put like crap in your gas tank. And I'm going to say every one of us gets to take better care of ourselves. And one of the things I struggle with is I get really in my day. I get really, really in my day. And like today I have like seven hours of calls and I'm stoked on them, right? But then I'll forget to eat. I'll forget to drink. I have to set reminders. And I always forget my supplements. And so Brad and I are working on this project um, called Vitamin Patch Club. And I get my B, my vitamin B, my vitamin D, um, and zinc primarily, I just put a sticker on and I wear it on my hand or on my inner arm and it slow releases over six hours. And it's been like the biggest hack for me. Like I get a ton of energy. It's slow drift out. And you guys know, I don't do ads on this podcast. This is something I'm passionate about. Brad and I are working together on it and I love the founder Shane. So seriously go to vitaminpatchclub.com. And my hundredth episode is the first time I reference any product whatsoever. Brad, bring it up. But Brad, what, what that triggered for me is when you said this to me, we're actually walking down your staircase we were walking out of the house, down your staircase. It was me, you, uh, Tyler, and your wife. And I think Shane had already left to go work out. And you're like, the biggest distinction of this is that what you all you need to do to have effective communication and be a team is just let each other know what state you're in. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, Brad, I have an idea. Dream. Hey, Brad, I have an idea. Real. Hey, Brad, I have an idea. Critic. Mm-hmm. And it literally eliminates ambiguity, questions, doubts, like everybody immediately sinks on the same page and we all know exactly what we're doing. And it literally has probably been one of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in doing this. 
Yeah, same here. I mean, the first thing is just being aware that we are, and this is, it seems obvious in the beginning, but it's like we are all in different states at different times and thinking up ideas or whatnot is, it's one of those things that I wasn't even aware. It, I mean, it's, it seems obvious when I go, whenever you're planning something, you're either, you know, coming up with the vision, coming up with the plan or coming up with the critique, but it's not obvious until you see it. And then once you're aware, you can't be unaware of it. Like I am, I know exactly what state I'm in at all times. And then as far as that goes, and then um, the other person is too, like, if you don't know what state they're in, they're, they're, and they could sometimes, some of those people are perpetual critics. Like my dad is the perpetual critic, love him to death, but I'll come up with an idea. He'll immediately focus on all the reasons why it won't work. And for a long time, it, that really um, drove me crazy. Cause I was like, you are no fun to take shit to. <laughs> <laughs> But then I realized like, wow, this actually, and there's many times if I would have listened to him, uh, he would have saved me a fortune, literally. Um, but because I didn't like that state, I didn't want to be in that critical state. I was like, I don't want, I don't even want to talk to people in that state because yep. that's not fun. Um, it, yeah, that cost me, I, lo I lost everything I had because I didn't listen to one of his critiques. Well, what I think is important yeah. too about that, like you and I, like, uh, I think, I don't know, maybe, I don't want to label you, but like as a, like I'm a dreamer, I'm a visionary, like I live in the dream state and then I, I only get down into the, the realist state when like the pressure is on, right? Or I have to do something, but the rest of the time I'm like all up here in ideas. But what ends up happening for me is like, I get so excited, so mm -hmm. excited about things and I'll run it by it. And then somebody will without me recognize it, just be in the critic state because that's where they are and they want to protect me, but I'll take it personally. Yeah. And it's not personal at all. But if I'm like, hey, dream with me for a minute or critique this, or even if like you and I are talking, you're like, hey man, critic. And I'm like, boom, it's no longer personal. It's like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Thanks for plugging me back into earth, right? Like, thanks for letting me know that like, I shouldn't waste a million and a half dollars in investing on some idea that might not work right now. Like, it's so exactly. important. It's so important. Like I, I don't, I can't, I, I literally can't say this enough on how important this has been for me. On Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad because I, I've given speeches on this. Like I've given different like speeches throughout my career and podcast episodes. And but I was like, it kept on going back to like this goes in almost every single speech I've given. It's so fundamental to now to the way I think. Yeah. And um, and I don't even think about state management in, like for other stuff on a as much as I need to. Like I did like 50 pushups right before this show, just to kind of get myself into a little bit more state. Cause I was just kind of like Tuesday morning, but um, it worked. Yeah. I just, up. I just, I just wore my vitamin B patch. Nice. Yeah. 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 Um, and I mainlined an Americano cause I just love the flavor of coffee with some water, but no, I think, um, yeah, like, I'm looking at my notes. So like, I don't, I don't share this when I record. Right. So I, while we're going through, I write notes on like what I'm going to record in the intro on this podcast, on this podcast, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, intro worthy notes that are just open loops for people. I'm going to have to like summarize this thinking down and get into let's go for 30 yeah i think i think i'm just gonna make you a repeating guest i think we should just do this like every 50 episodes yeah we just record every every well, uh call on we, well you know what's funny is i mean you know you know of my business partner stefano stefandos we're launching a podcast called man reborn and mm -hmm. it's more on like you know self-development 
masculine leadership, like, you know, all that stuff. But it's funny. I just, it all started because we had a call one day. We were just syncing and I just hit record. Mm-hmm. And I, in my brain, told my wife, I was like, I'm going to trick Stephanos into doing a podcast. And so I didn't tell him. We just talked the whole time and at the end of it. And I was like, and guys, I just want to thank you for listening to our first episode. And he looked at me like, what? And he's like, what? yeah. And then we just scheduled like 12 calls. And all we do is the moment he jumps on the software, I just hit record and we just start talking. That's brilliant. Like there's no agenda. There's no nothing. It's like coffee, ketchup. But like some of the best gold is has come out of that just from yeah, being- our mutual friends, uh, Matt Wolf and Joe Fear and I. Oh, yeah. Um, we have a show tomorrow because they're like, somebody canceled. I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, they do that to me all the time. The um, but we we were uh, we we wanted to do that too because they've got a really popular podcast and uh, like we don't want to be constrained in just by the topics. Like I mentioned, Joe Rogan. Joe's got the ultimate podcast. Like every podcaster's got such a crush on or envy of, of what he's doing because he just talks about whatever the hell he's interested in. And we were joking around one day, like let's start a podcast exactly like Joe Rogan's, only let's call it not Joe Rogan. <laughs> and that'll be the name of the show. And when people are searching, like that'll be the, like, that'll be the name in the, in the podcast title. It's like not Joe Rogan. And then it'll be like, Hey guys, welcome. I'm Brad. This is Joe and Matt. Uh, we are, uh, you're not listening to Joe Rogan. We told you in the episode. So if there's any mistake, we are definitely not Joe Rogan. And I, I ended up registering not Joe Rogan.com. <laughs> it, it forwards to baconwrapbusiness.com. Good. But um, good. Well, I kind of want to do that. The other part of me was like, I want to get Joe's attention by having a show called Not Joe Rogan and make him go, who the hell are these guys? Yeah. Well, we'll have to unpack contrarian marketing on an entirely different episode because it's a whole different rabbit hole. But as you're doing that, uh, where – where can people come find more on how to wrap bacon around their life and business? <laughs> Baconwrapbusiness.com. Sizzling hot business advice. Guaranteed to make you fat. Profits. <laughs> oh, and, and Every the, week, our chefs will cook up recipes. And, and just, to, revenue. just to tie the book recommendations together, go read Contagious, and I will tell you why uh, – Brad's name is so good because it is an example of a social trigger because Brad and I were introduced to each other. Not We didn't meet, but when I ran my food blog, I knew that I either had to create a social trigger or piggyback off a social trigger. So I said, I don't want to create one. I'm going to use bacon. So everything I posted being paleo, I was like, bacon. I was in a bacon suit in my sales video, bacon, 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 bacon. So then I meet my wife. She's like, oh, you need to know this guy, Brad Costanza. I know he runs Bacon Wrap Business. This was literally That's eight so years ago. Like, and maybe six when she said it, but like it was there, and like that's the power of social triggers. Like it, it's just a neural pathway in the brain for people, but it's covered in contagious. So, um, Brad, uh, we're just gonna have to do this repeat. And everybody listening, um, hit me up and let me know what you want Brad and I to talk about next time because I think he's gonna have to be a regular since we talk every day, anyways. And we'll just start recording more of our conversations. Um, you know, too, like I like conversations like this, uh, like in just we just kind of free flow. I don't do these enough on my own show, like solo. I hate doing solo casts because I need somebody to kind of bounce off of. So I love doing stuff like yeah. this. Where we can just see where it goes. Yeah. Rabbit trail. My solo casts are good. If I like have an idea that like I've just wanted to share, but I can't do a solo cast. If the teams like talk about this, no, yeah. but like I'll be sitting here and I can't get this thought off my mind. And so I'll just hit record and it'll just, bleh. that's good. I want to have another podcast called just called Rabbit Trails. Rabbit <laughs> Trails, dude. That would actually be good. Where 
Well, like, and that's Where why will I, this go? That's why I love Rome Research. So, by the way, for everybody listening to this one, <laughs> you're gonna have to re-listen this one with a notepad. There's six book recommendations, two tool recommendations off the top of my head, but Rome Research being one of them. Look up PKM and go get familiar with personal knowledge management. The Disney Dreamer with the Dreamer, the Realist, and the Critic. Like this thing is literally action packed, and so. I'm going to have you wrap it with your sizzling bacon, right? To make fat profits, as you would say. But as we bring this one to a close, like if you could leave everybody with anything, you know, this last kind of piece in their brain, use your little NLP ninja tactics to make sure they take away something and keep it in them. But how would you close? How would you wrap? What would you take people away with? You know, I've, these big ones stump me until they, uh, kind of get in. I think the, the key for, I mentioned that this is what's worked for me is intellectual curiosity. And I think the world is missing a lot of curiosity and it comes down to just curiosity about how, whether it's other, how other industries are solving problems that it could solve for you, how other people are solving problems. It doesn't even have to do with business. Uh, It could come down right today is the day of the election, right? That we're recording this. And I think that if more people were curious as opposed to judgmental about the other side, they would be like, all right, you vote this way. I vote that way. I am diametrically opposed to what you think, but instead like, like I get curious, like, well, what would make you vote that way? Whether it's for Republican or Democrat or whatnot, like what, what is the thought process that goes into it? I think that curiosity doesn't kill the cat. I think it's the exact opposite. I think curiosity creates opportunities for us to evolve as a species because it, it allows us to have those new discoveries and create those new insights and those, golly, I never would have thought about it like that before. Um, and I, it's, it's been responsible for, um, you know, my success and what I consider my happiness. And I think if more people just cultivated just more curiosity without judgmental and just go, well, let's, let's figure it out. I don't know, but yeah. I'm willing to, I'm willing to look, I, I think that's uh, I think that'd solve a lot of business and personal problems. I couldn't agree more, my friend. I couldn't agree more. Well, I, I'm not going to do one of those awkward outros. I'm like, thanks. It was so great to connect. I'll, t- I'll talk to you in 20 thanks, minutes. Thanks. I was super excited. I was super excited to have you on the show. And like, I hope we stay in touch, but I'll never email you and text you, except I'm going to text you 64 more times throughout the day. And then you're nice. still going to let me know about this Saturday if you guys are going to do your crazy, crazy day. But I'm going to keep our personal lives off of the episode. So I'm going to wrap. And so here's the one thing that I want to cement home with what Brad just said at the end of this. And we'll leave the golden nugget at the end of the rainbow at the end of the episode on the Mind of George Show, which, by the way, I named the Mind of George Show because I could talk about whatever I wanted. And uh, and I used the domain for too long to change it to the George Bryant Show. So the Mind of George it was, and it belongs in a straitjacket. If you can't tell, but if it's your slice of crazy, please stick around. But what Brad just said about intellectual curiosity, when I look back at 12 years of work on myself, personal development work, you know, mindset, leadership, even leadership in the Marine Corps, the one trend that's always been underneath of it can be simply references, play more, be more childlike, be more curious, be more in the flow and present. And the only guarantee, the only constant we have is change. And rigid thinking in business and life and entrepreneurship will only create rigid results and it hurts really bad. And so be open, ask deeper questions, be playful, be playful with yourself, be playful with your own ideas, be a dreamer and then be a critic, and then be a realist. Like Play with it and give yourself the space to tap into your wisdom and your intuition by being playful with yourself, those around you, your team, and everything. Like The threads of this episode 
have so many levels of undertones when it comes to leadership and business development and growth. And like, these are the quote unquote secrets that you'll utilize. So I wanted to hammer this. I've never done this at the end of an episode, but like, this is one I'm going to listen to again. Brad brought the fire. He brought the heat. So I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to go try to pick a topic from this podcast to put in the intro, and I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. So remember that relationships always beat algorithms, and it's time for the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.